Hey everyone, I'm Iman. And I'm Carla. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. After an almost two-month hiatus filled with solid movies, weird good TV, talking to you Atlanta, and <laughs> heaps of personal work and recovery, we're back! Though it's been a minute, we've had plenty of time to reflect on what we wanted our first episode back to cover, and know what? Sometimes a movie is so good, you can't just skip over it and jump to the next thing. So today, Carla and I are back to discuss the one and only Black Panther, a movie that was a much, much anticipated addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and one that, weeks after its release date, continues to break box office records and smash all expectations of what a superhero movie should be. We'll discuss how this movie measures up against our expectations, all of the aspects of the film that set it apart from a typical Marvel movie, and finally, cap off the episode with some signature shoutouts. Don't go anywhere, all of that is right after the break. The Black Panther has protected the world for generations. It is your time. Step into the spotlight. The world's gonna start over. I'm gonna burn it all. Step into the spotlight. This your king. This ends today. Alright, let's address the elephant in the room. Recording an episode of Black Panther this late in the game feels intimidating. What can be said that hasn't already been said in the countless essays, think pieces, podcasts? Who could we invite to discuss such a significant moment in Black culture? So, welcome for the first time ever, boyfriend of the pod and straight white male, Jack. Hi, Jack. (laughs) No pressure. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. You've officially gentrified. (laughs) It's great to have you. By now, I think it's safe to assume everyone's at least heard about Black Panther. Even Saudi Arabia is having a screening of this movie. That's right. But so much time has passed since its release that I really think we should start our discussion off with some plot talk, just in case anyone needs a refresher or has somehow managed to not watch this movie yet. You want to give it a go, Carla? Sure. Okay, so after the death of his father, T'Challa, played by Chadwick Boseman, he returns home to the African nation of Wakanda to take his rightful place as king. When a powerful enemy suddenly reappears, T'Challa's medal as king, and as Black Panther, gets tested when he's drawn into a conflict that puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of Black Panther to defeat his foes and secure the safety of his people. That's a great summary that really gets at the complexity and depth of this film. While a lot of Avengers movies or Marvel movies in general seem to have the fate of the world Uh, Mm -hmm. at stake this one was one that really felt like it it gave it emotional depth so we saw the movie separately the weekend that it came out my first question to you both has got to be how did black panther stack up to your expectations all right well i have to say black panther was a joyful experience from start to end 
I mean it as a huge compliment when I say I forgot this was a Marvel movie. Yeah. In contrast to other superhero movies like The Avengers, which you mentioned, or Captain America, with a very forgettable plot or central conflict that's difficult to understand because it's so deeply intertwined with the plot of so many other Marvel movies, Black Panther, despite all its folklore, despite being set in a fictitious African country with futuristic technology, felt so much more real. I was pleasantly surprised by the way in which it doesn't shy away from our country or really our civilization's troubled history, and instead uses it to ground us in reality. And I'd say it's rare to feel any kind of genuine emotion during a superhero movie, but this film achieves that through its boldness and through its confidence. I couldn't have said it better myself. Jack, do you have any initial thoughts? I'd say that going into it, there was obviously a ton of hype and anticipation for it. And it made me a little nervous going in just because whenever that's the case you always get a little worried that it's not going to match those expectations. Mm -hmm. But I think that, one, I think it absolutely did, and I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I think this is probably a very initial impression, but Jack and I were a little late to the movie when we made it to our screening. Oh, really? Yeah, but he said, I mean, we. so that means I was super thrust into it Immediately, there were no trailers, no nothing. But did, did you miss any of it? No, I okay. made the whole thing, but it just felt like the immediacy of it was... Yeah. I just felt thrust into the world and really loved all of it. What I did miss, though, Jack was saying that people were dressed up, and I think that was just kind of... You talked about boldness and confidence, and I think that that being in the movie translated to the audience as well. It was infectious. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Black Panther shows us that sometimes a movie is important for reasons beyond its plot. So instead of simply talking about the things that worked within the movie, let's look at Black Panther from a wider lens and discuss some of the things that make this Marvel film so groundbreaking. That sounds great, because yes, when you reflect on Black Panther, you realize it's full of characteristics that not only set it apart from other Marvel movies, but from mainstream movies in general. And number one on our list of reasons why Black Panther feels so different is its almost exclusively black cast. Yeah. So I know a lot of the discussion surrounding this film has to do with the importance of representation. And being that this was the first Marvel movie, I think, with a, a central black lead character... That's a pretty big deal. It's a huge deal because it shows that, obviously the success of it shows that it can be done successfully, but the movie itself, just the inherent value that the movie had, it was a really engaging plot. Everything, like, it didn't treat the fact that it had a black cast as as a big a deal as people outside of the movie mm-hmm. thought that it was. It it all felt very natural, and the fact that the actual creation of this movie had largely black, like, crew and production is another huge deal. Yes, and I'd say there, even within that black cast, there was an enormous amount of diversity as well, because you had 
African American actors, you had Kenyan actors,、mm -hmm. I think there are British actors, and、um, also maybe from Nigeria. I don't know where. I do or... remember, I heard, I heard a podcast about one guy that said that I think he's one of the recipients of DACA. And, oh, but、wow. he worked on this and he had to like work very hard to prove all his papers were in order, but he wanted to make it work for this movie. So it seemed like they just they put a lot of care and intention into who they were hiring for this, and、mm -hmm. that definitely translated into the final product. Yeah. I think another thing that I was kind of thinking about while watching it, and one thing that I took away from it was that, and, and kind of similar to the reaction of, of Coco, because that was another recent. Critical success that featured a minority in America or an American minority group of people portraying another, another culture.、Mm -hmm. And I think that the takeaway from it, though, was that it was just a great movie and it had nothing to do about being a great Mexican movie, just as Black Panther wasn't a great black centered movie. It was just a great movie. Yes. And I think that was something that I definitely was, was I think, a bit wary going into it, knowing how they were kind of marketing it and really trying, I guess, to. Latch on to black culture and the black audience. I think that though, at the end of the day, it was just an amazing movie.、Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt, I think, exactly like you're saying, movies that cater to a specific demographic can often feel almost voyeuristic for people that aren't a member of that community. But this movie was so much fun. It was inclusive by virtue of being just a good and exciting movie for anyone that was watching it. Definitely. Speaking of inclusivity, I would say, in addition to its black cast, this was also a very strong female cast. There were a lot of characters in this movie that were super badass warriors. And when you think badass warriors, people even our age, you might not always think of women with shaved heads, but、mm -hmm. the next generation of little girls are definitely going to be thinking it. Because in this movie, we had Lupita Nyango's character. We had Angela Bassett. We got whatever the actress that played Shuri is called. The、man. Black Mirror actress. Yes,、Shuri. the Black Mirror actress. Jack and I walked out of the movie saying, Where was Shuri? Because it felt like she just came out of nowhere.、Mm -hmm. um, oh, she was in an episode. She was in an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, the Black Museum episode, the, very, the season finale of this most recent season. Yeah, so it was really cool to see actresses that have played. Relatively minor or very. I mean, Lupita has been in basically every Disney movie, but this was one of the first times that I thought, like, wow, it looks like she's been like, she got built. A believable action yeah, hero. Yeah, a believable action hero. Angela Bassett is a queen, and I mean, the king has long passed by the time this movie starts, but you see her being a definite matriarch of. Her society. Yes. I mean, you have the king, Black the Black Panther, but it's. It was just really impressive to see these women really holding their own, and it definitely passed the, the Bechdel test. That's right. I was going to say one of the most impressive things about these female characters were the fact that they were so well developed and their storylines or their plot lines had little to nothing to do with. Their love interest. Yeah, we even have the younger sister. I mean, she, that's someone, she's technically a princess, I guess you could say,、mm -hmm. but the main points I get from her is she's super sassy and she's insanely good at tech. Yeah. It's interesting now you have all these programs for STEM for young girls. 
honestly, I think this character in and of herself accomplished more than many programs out there just by making it look so cool. Mm-hmm. I think that the the brains behind Game of Thrones need to take notes on this and apply it to the sand snakes in their in their stories. <laughs> oh my god, yes. <laughs> oh god. Like that is I but I and I'm, like, I'm joking but seriously I think that like that like that was how that's how you do it. How you portray badass female characters like that yeah <laughs> i think it was really interesting you you mentioned the sand snakes the sand snakes yes they're badass warriors but at the end of the day the sh- that game of thrones showed them using their sexuality very much as a tool in their arsenal and this movie didn't do that it yeah. was very respectful to all the female characters in it so i think that was a definite win they um, also showed a level of equality between let's say, Nakia and Black Panther, T'Challa, mm-hmm. where there was a level of respect between them because they're the central, I guess you could say, one of the central relationships that is portrayed. But then you also have, we haven't mentioned her, but Denai Guerrera's character, mm-hmm. um, Michonne from Walking Dead, who is basically a general in T'Challa's army. Yeah. Who... Had an interesting relationship with her, I don't know if it was technically her husband or just her partner. Yeah. Um, she shamelessly puts her job above her relationship. Yes. It was really cool seeing her, though, in a, like in this role. Because, like, I mean, I think, I mean, I only know her, at, had only known her as Michonne in The Walking Dead. And Who's I love her another, in that show. Yeah, she's another strong character, yeah. Michonne is. But, like, getting her, seeing her in this role, it was just, as a fan of her in that show, it was really exciting to see her branch out of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think Carla was mentioning this is showing uh, how to do, or both of you have been mentioning, this is how to do it right. I think this is even, we can even use another Disney movie as a reference for a way of doing it wrong. I think it was Captain Phasma in Star Wars. The actress that plays Brienne played a female captain in Star Wars, but she was wearing a mask the entire time. So it was mm. kind of like, okay. It didn't really feel as empowering or powerful as seeing this woman in just this gorgeous red dress flying down on a car. Like all these really action-oriented scenes and just seeing a woman being womanly doing it, but the womanliness was powerful. Yes. All right. I'm rambling. Carla, <laughs> what's your third reason that we thought Black Panther felt really different? Number three on our list has to be the dignity and respect toward Africa and African culture that this movie presented us. Mm-hmm. Um, and among other things, I thought specifically we should talk about the film's hair, makeup, and costume design, because those were amazing. Yes. Not only was it gorgeous, as you said, there was a lot of respect towards keeping everything natural and as it would be in a reclusive African kingdom. I I can't claim to know much about African grooming by any means, but I do remember podcasts making... A really big deal about how there were no hot combs on set. Mm-hmm. All of the women were wearing their hair natural. Angela Bassett, you see her once she takes off her glorious headdress, she has dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. And everything was just really celebrated and well done. Yes, I think there was one wig in the entire movie and that was used to comedic effect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, a lot of frustration <laughs> towards that wig. <laughs> All right, Iman, what's number four on our list? This has a little more to do with the plot of the movie, but I want to shout out the movie's blurred lines of heroism and villainy. Hmm. I think for movies, especially Marvel movies, it's very easy to fall into this black and white dynamic Mm -hmm. where it's, there's the bad guy and he's wearing all black and here's the good guy and he has a red cape. But this movie had so many characters that were well fleshed out enough that didn't let you make an easy distinction between the two. For instance, we have Killmonger, who's the main villain in this, but he's so well fleshed out and you know his background that you don't want to call him a full villain because you understand his backstory. Even the Black Panther, T'Challa, he makes certain decisions and you find out, not to be spoilery, but you find out people before him have made certain decisions Mm -hmm. that you can't really get behind and he himself is grappling with this. Yes, they definitely show a level of complexity and depth because throughout the movie I kept saying, yeah, Killmonger has a point. Yeah. He's making a very valid uh, statement on society in general. And I think I read this in an article on The Atlantic, but they described how T'Challa, the, the characters of T'Challa and Eric are essentially, they are just dueling responses to five centuries of African exploitation at the hands of the West. Interesting. And then they also mentioned that the villain, to the extent that the term applies, It's actually history itself. Hmm. And they said as a result, the the movie's title, The Black Panther, can be used to describe either T'Challa, when you're talking about the African king figure, or if you're talking about the history of the U.S. and the Black Panther Party movement, that could, the Black Panther can even describe Eric Killmonger as well. The militant... Yes. Villain, I guess in this movie you can say, but not even villain. villain, The the Malcolm X to T'Challa's Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. Jr. Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of the MLK-ness of T'Challa, I think one of the last things that I thought was really interesting, we've talked a lot about how well fleshed out these characters are, the Black Panther, as in T'Challa, was a really reluctant hero. Mm-hmm. He's one of the only Marvel superheroes that's born into royalty. I think maybe Thor has some weird god thing. Yeah, apart from Thor, I can't really think of anyone else. They kind of just stumble upon their powers, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm no expert. Feel free to correct me on this, anyone. But <laughs> for the purposes of this podcast, let's just say that. But he he really is a character in which the kingdom is his birthright. So we could expect him to be almost like a villain, like a haughty sort of king character that could very easily become complacent in his role. Mm -hmm. But instead we see a shyness, hesitance, and caution in him that we don't see as much in other characters. He really takes on the mantle of the Black Panther with a lot of respect and nerves almost as we see him inheriting this role and all the responsibility that comes with it i'm reminded of another marvel hero spider-man saying with great power comes great responsibility you can see he believes that and feels that in every ounce of that weight yeah but i feel like even peter parker has a cockiness to him or just an enthusiasm where he's 
he can't wait to become a superhero where where T'Challa is a little bit more reserved. Mm-hmm. T'Challa is a little maybe. more... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Peter Parker is an Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T'Challa is a little more Uncle Ben-ish in that respect. He understands and probably would say that phrase himself. It's not something that needs to be told to him. Yeah, and I have to say, it was really cute that they put, even with his romantic interests they put that he still freezes <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's kind of if we're like for the sake of comparison he kind of reminds me of john snow in that respect huh. where he gets he's i mean all of the personality traits iman that you just rambled off i think could also go to summarize john snow and i think that the a, a, a similarity between those two characters though is just how well liked they are amongst the audience yes. so going back to the fourth point of comparing him to eric even though both have points and it's kind of hard to, I guess, distinguish that or, or distinguish how you feel about Eric. Um, I think why we ultimately root for T'Challa is because of how, again, likable mm-hmm. those personality traits make him. Yes, because Eric has a much more forceful personality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, they're both making decisions for their communities, but it seems like T'Challa is factoring in the preferences of his community a lot more Mm -hmm. and eric is coming from a place of hate instead of a place of love and i think just having willing to cap off uh, his supposed love in the (laughs) process that's true we didn't talk about this but yeah i I say my spoiler (laughs) oh it's a spoiler free (laughs) (laughs) the depiction of females was amazing except for when it came to eric's girlfriend girlfriend who had two lines (laughs) I saw an interesting point by someone on Facebook that I'm friends with who was like kind of like talking about how he he couldn't get behind people rooting for Eric Mm. from the standpoint of like, we already saw him kill one person of color. (laughs) How many other, like the hundreds that he, that he did before that one, how many other were included in that? Yeah. He seems someone that can very easily make the greater good argument like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, it's shooting one woman, but this is centuries of injustice and everything. Right. And I think it kind of does, the movie does a good job of showing the limits of that militant perspective. But with T'Challa, it also kind of shows you, on the other hand, Carla, you were just saying, you can kind of take Eric's points at some points. It, there are trade-offs in both. And yeah. I think that um, the reluctancy of T'Challa and the blurred lines that we've been talking about this whole time just made this movie... I mean, this is maybe two months after the movie came out and we're still talking about it and having an in-depth conversation about it. I mean, who thought this would ever happen with a Marvel movie? Yeah. All right. So we've talked a lot about the specific points that made Black Panther, the movie, uh, really enjoyable for us and made it stand out apart from the rest. But here's a question. How do you think Black Panther compares to some of Ryan Coogler's other movies? Um, he's made Creed. He's made Fruitvale Station. Did you guys notice any similarities? Yes. Well, definitely we did. Uh, screensaver listeners will know we are big, big fans of Ryan Coogler's work. We loved Creed. Yes. I thought Fruitvale Station was incredibly powerful. And with Black Panther, I loved that Ryan Coogler's fingerprints were all over this movie. I think... Kugler has a real talent for shooting intense one-on-one fight scenes, 
and back muscles. <laughs> and we saw that in Creed, and you definitely see that in Black Panther. Wow, I didn't even think about that. The oh, you did scenes. <laughs> thought you were talking about the back <laughs> both man, like, how I, did you not notice I that rewatch. <laughs> um, another through line with his past work and i'd say a more serious one is the fact that the settings of his films feel so lived in mm-hmm. we saw that with oakland in fruitvale station with philadelphia in creed And we definitely saw that with Wakanda in Black Panther. I think he also has a talent for building epic scenes of tension while also balancing them with quieter moments. And in the end, they always just, all of his movies, just feel like an emotional journey. And the fact that Ryan Coogler is only 31, which is the same age as Michael B. Jordan, is mind-blowing to me. But... It also makes me really excited for the long career he hopefully has ahead of him. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, definitely agreed. It's funny, you were talking about quieter moments. I'm thinking, yeah, this is the guy that did a slow pan onto a turtle tank in Creed. (laughs) And here he is shooting quasi Lord of the Rings fight scenes in Mm -hmm. Black Panther. It's just the range of his work is insanely impressive but i do love that it's all kind of felt like it's still coming from his mind with his perspective Mm -hmm. yeah i completely agree with everything you both just said and i think that if if we're comparing them to his previous films i think that personally i was really kind of trying to draw a lot of lines between fruitvale station and black panther Hmm. just in the sense of the character that michael b jordan is portraying in fruitvale station he's essentially one of the victims that is driving Eric Killmonger in Black Panther Mm -hmm. and that he's a victim of police brutality. He's another black man whose life is taken at the hands of a police force. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I think, fits into just the motivation that we see in in Eric Killmonger and also probably is why we're so confused about how we feel about him because it's like, yeah, like you're, again, like, sorry, I don't want to go back onto that (laughs) that last conversation we had. But uh, I guess that's that's my point, though, is that like the rage fueling him. Mm-hmm. That's a really we really see it. Yeah. We point. see it, how we feel after Fruitvale Station. I remember coming out of that film, and I had seen it with a friend, and both of us just kind of walked in silence for like ten minutes after seeing it because we didn't really. It was, I think, also the fact that it was a real story it was portraying. Um, but now, you know, five years after the fact, and being able to kind of look at it more holistically. Um, yeah, I think it just, it, it, it definitely kind of, I guess, contextualizes Eric Killmonger's character a bit more. And we should probably also mention Ryan Coogler himself is from Oakland. Mm-hmm. So he, it's clear he has a perspective and a vision and an opinion on these things. So of course it's natural that that opinion would bleed into all of his works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... What makes me excited for any future Black Panther movies, and I guess to draw back on even further in our conversation, comparing it to other Marvel movies, this is probably one of the first movies that I feel has a real perspective. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it has an angle besides just nostalgia, which is what Mm -hmm. most comic book movies are doing. I think the Black Panther franchise, the fact that it's had comics written by Ta-Nehisi Coates and now it has a movie by Ryan Coogler, has become a medium 
for a lot of great thinkers of our time in a really complicated moment. Yeah. So I think watching it go forward is just going to be really exciting, and it's it's a good medium. Speaking of great thinkers, let's talk about the soundtrack for Ooh. Black Panther, because for anyone that doesn't know, Kendrick Lamar basically curated a playlist of songs that weren't all featured in the movie, but it took on a life of its own, and I'm curious of what you guys think on what sort of impact you think that Kendrick Lamar Black Panther soundtrack had on the movie itself. The soundtrack featured surprisingly little in the movie. That surprised me too. Yeah, I thought that was, I was expecting a lot more of it when you hear a name Mm -hmm. like Kendrick Lamar. But I do think that the soundtrack, especially the fact that it came out, what, like a week before the movie, Mm -hmm. fed the hype surrounding this movie and the kind of like effervescent cloud around (laughs) Black Panther. It just fed into that and showed that, no, this isn't just the movie and what's featured specifically in the movie. This is the culture that it's building around it. And the fact that Kendrick Lamar was able to curate that and kind of feed it. I mean, this is the guy that wrote the anthem, what was adopted as the anthem for the Black Lives Matter movement which is we gonna be all right. So I think choosing that voice to kind of sing the Black Panther soundtrack was just yes, definitely intentional. Mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed that Disney greenlit this decision yeah. and I, I was happy about it because to me it gave Black Panther, even before the movie was released, it gave it a level of authenticity Mm -hmm. that I wasn't expecting. The fact that you see Kendrick Lamar taking a Marvel movie seriously made me immediately think. And then when you listen to the actual soundtrack, like, I think it was Eric that responded to the soundtrack to saying, like, wow, like, this is so, like hard <laughs> yeah. like wow this out this this is a movie soundtrack <laughs> yes this is a mark this is a disney movie soundtrack the fact that Ken, as i just said the fact that he was putting in so much sincere anger and thought into every track made me think like oh like oh man like i need to listen yeah. I need to just, to it's this. also just a really quality curation of yeah. music independent of the movie you <laughs> yes. can go listen to it if you've never seen the movie or know what it is it's it's great so we've talked about kugler we've talked about kendrick lamar let's try to look ahead i know this is something we'd like to have friend of the pod eric on for because he's such a soothsayer but where do we think marvel can go from here Do you guys think that there's anything that Disney and Marvel can learn from the success of this film? Is it a one-off? Do you guys have any thoughts on the future for this? Because personally, I'm a little torn. What it's shown to me is really just the importance, and this is something that you and I have talked about with Ant-Man and other franchises, and even Guardians. I like having movies that are dedicated to one character. Mm -hmm. But seeing just, I mean, I feel like, Black Panther is so much more. Yeah, I feel like Disney and Marvel have a lot to learn from the success of Black Panther. Am I hopeful that they will translate it into every upcoming Marvel release in the future? No, I know they can't. But Mm. 
I hope they pay attention to hiring young and talented directors like Ryan Coogler Mm -hmm. and kind of letting them do their own thing. Yeah. Like, no disrespect to John Favreau. We love everything you've done. <laughs> yeah. <for> yeah. <laughs> but it was cool seeing a fresh fresh voice and a, a fresh take on this. Yeah. And also having that fresh voice have his perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times what's happened is indie directors will make one movie, it gets a lot of recognition, and then they get vacuumed up by the fr- like these gigantic franchises. Mm-hmm. But I think what we've seen... I didn't see Thor Ragnarok, but I know that it got a lot of praise because of uh, Taikyo Waititi. Waititi, yeah, because he has a comedic perspective and they let him do that. Yes. And I've heard podcasts where he speaks about how freeing it was to be able to just kind of be left on his own to do what he wanted with that franchise. Mm So I think seeing them continue to do that would be cool. Yeah, I kind of see Disney's role is... The 21st century version of the Medici's. Yeah. (laughs) Where they kind of scout talent, they see it, and then they just give them a crazy budget to do whatever they want. Like, that's my dream of where (laughs) where they take... Make them young and make them ethnic. And then I I think that also, you know, Disney and all other major studios, what they have to take from this is that this film shattered the false narrative that black casts don't appeal to general audience mm-hmm. and i think i mean and international and international audience yeah. like there was concern about it airing in china because like supposedly china is a more racist country than america but it's killing it there so i think that it's going to be interesting to see exactly where you know how other studios adopt this as well and and how they adapt because it's clear that there's a demand for these types of stories and it's now just a matter of what stories we're going to get yeah i'm excited about it same All right. Well, as we do, it's been a while since we recorded our last screensaver podcast, but we do like to end these things with shout outs. (laughs) Carla, do you want to kick it off with the first shout out? Yes. I feel like this is a classic we revert to time and time again, but shout out to that Wakanda font. Yes. I was obsessed with the, the graphic design of this movie, and I thought... It was beautiful. They did such a good job, not only with this font, but with the movie in general, of towing the line between super modern and also ancient. Yes. And I think that the font that spelled out Wakanda in several shifting scenes in the movie looked kind of like runes, but also very geometric. Yes. This is getting in the weeds, but it was a very fun font. (laughs) I even liked the graphics with that introductory that yes. like, storytelling aspect with the sand i thought that was really mm. really pretty too yeah. i know it doesn't have to do with the font but oh, it goes beautiful. into their yeah, graphics are great the graphics yeah. the art direction of of this movie yeah. it was almost as good as uh, paddington 2's uh animation sequence yes <laughs> with the, the storybook <laughs> yeah iman, iman what's your first shout out okay well this isn't going to be a surprise to anyone that listens to this podcast on the regular, but Eric Killmonger's fashion sense. <laughs> yes. That Sherpa jacket, though. <laughs> oh, my God. I definitely remember nudging you in the theater when yes. that appeared. <laughs> he has these fantastic hipster glasses that almost feel like a subtle nod to Indiana Jones as a professor. Yeah, I feel like we just have to go off on a fashion tangent right here and talk about everything he was wearing Mm. 
Yes. He or had... not wearing something. <laughs> no, no. I loved his clothes enough to want him as clothed as possible in this movie because it was all so great. He had the floor length cardigan, no shirt underneath. Very classic. Very baller move. <laughs> I was half expecting him to wear those little Adidas slippers with socks underneath him. But we also have to talk about his hair. Yes, he had so this... versatile. Mm-hmm. It was like kind of dreaded. I again can't claim to be an expert on this, but it was he had this almost like man bun but like a ponytail. Yes. It was original. It, 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 it was like dreadlocks and a bowl haircut, but he <laughs> he could somehow yes. work it into so many like a into a man bun, into like a side ponytail, into, into braids. Yeah. Yeah. And one of my personal favorites has to be his teeth. Did you guys notice his, like, grills mm-hmm. at all? I didn't until you pointed it out, but it was such a subtle detail, but it was, it made him very kind of menacing in a cool way. Yes, he has, like, these gold caps on his teeth, but it's not on his canines on the upper teeth. It's on the the lower Lower canines. I don't know what the technical term for them are. Yeah, we'll have to ask our aunt who's a dentist. But (laughs) yeah, but but you would only see them when they would catch light or when he would smile, and they looked really good on him. Yeah, what can I say? It was very cool, and I think (laughs) in making and putting so much attention into his fashion sense, it just kind of felt like the movie got it. Yes, Mm -hmm. it knew its audience, and it knew that these things would be cool and not hokey Mm -hmm. yes and speaking of fashion we have to give a shout out to that korean lady who wears a large (laughs) pink visor at night yes gonna protect herself from that harsh moonlight (laughs) hey she's probably been working all day you know just wearing what she wore during the day forgets it's there (laughs) don't we all (laughs) what about you jack do you have any shout outs yeah so i'm gonna shout out uh martin freeman for staying out of the way (laughs) i uh actually after the movie came across a tweet by daniel kibblesmith he's a writer slash comedian who said he felt extremely represented in black panther by the middle-aged white character who was excited (laughs) to help out in small ways when appropriate (laughs) (laughs) it came that came out like right amongst when there was all this backlash by trolls on online who are like trying to you know, downvote uh, Black Panther's mm. ratings on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. And it was just like, it was a perfect, like, in, in many ways, like, such a great response to <laughs> yes. the backlash that the film was was receiving. I also really liked Martin Freeman's I did character. Too, yeah. Same. I thought it was interesting because they it didn't, they kind of subtly teased him, but mm-hmm. he never felt like a savior they they just like i can't even the fact that that he would be anything like that in this movie didn't mm-hmm. even cross my mind until i'm trying to think of like what could have gone wrong with it yeah i think that like his transformation also because when he's first introduced it's you almost are skeptical of him and you're not sure what he what exactly his agenda is here mm-hmm. um but then by the end it's like they just show how like, taken aback and wowed he is by Wakanda, as all of us are. Yeah, he does yeah. play an audience surrogate. Yeah. One more shout-out to the memes that came from Black Panther. There's oh, so my God, out yes. There. I, I also loved the Mbaku challenge. Yeah. Like, that, that, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this one kid was 
basically reciting all of his lines. It was <laughs> yes. so good. Especially yeah. when he says Fada. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to all the funny imitations of the accents, yeah. as long as they're not offensive. Yeah. Shout out to Forrest Whitaker um, yeah. impersonations also. Yeah. yeah. Shouts to Shoulder Shakes. Shoulder yes. Shakes. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely yeah. my people. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. it was... We could go on and on yeah. with shout outs. This is just a really a really fun movie and as I said, it's been weeks, but it's definitely stuck with me. Oh, for sure. Do we want to move on to our final thoughts and rankings? Yeah, let's do it. I'll go first. In reflecting on Black Panther like we've been doing, I think the thing I'm most impressed with is by how much of a lasting impact it's had on me and on pop culture in general, like we've been saying. You see, athletes are still doing the Wakanda salute. <laughs> I, I saw a tennis player do it after he won a match. Um, and the Kendrick curated soundtrack, as we mentioned, is still on my Spotify playlist. And all in all, it just feels like this character and the story's ideals are meant to last. Because after you watch it, you feel so happy it exists. And you don't want to revert back to a time when it didn't. So, for all of that, I'm giving Black Panther 10 out of 10 sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> wow, those are Paddington 2 numbers. Yeah, I had to do it. Two 10 out of 10s in a row. I know. <laughs> Wild. It's been a good year. <laughs> it's been a good year. I I agree. I think what this movie was independent of the movie itself, the moment that it created and all the attention that it did upon black storytelling and just minority representation in film was incredibly necessary. And I think that the movie itself was just a lot of fun. I mentioned before, there were moments of it that reminded me of sitting in the audience watching Return of the King. The fight scenes were were really fun, and the quieter moments were too. I don't know if I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, As I said, they're Paddington 2 numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but I am definitely giving this, uh, if I could, like a 9.8. Okay. A 9.8 out of 10 heart-shaped herbs. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Nice. Also, this is a completely random aside that you can feel free to cut. But one thing that I didn't get to mention earlier in this podcast was how concerned I felt when T'Challa kept switching back and forth between normal and Black Panther version of himself after yes. drinking this. It reminded me a lot of <laughs> that moment in the office when... Michael is describing his vasectomy. Oh, God. <laughs> and he's going, he's like, oh, snip, snip. I can only go back and forth so many times. And I kept thinking, is this not going to affect him in the long run? I mean, this guy has turned bright purple yeah. too many times. But yeah, that's that's my ranking system, all as confusing as it might have been to yeah. us. So yeah, nine nine point eight, which is a new decimal for me, but <laughs> it's uh, it's deserving of it. Yeah, that I I mean I can 
pretty much agree with both of your guys' rankings and fully approve. I, as I said earlier, I was a little nervous going in just because of how much hype there was writing this film. Mm-hmm. And again, just wanting it to match that hype and really, really like just wanting to be a fan of it. And I was. It was really easy to be a fan of because it was just so much fun to watch. I think that it presented a lot of good comedic relief very naturally. Um, except for the Disneyland, uh, comment at the very end. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that took me out just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, other than that, it was just a, I thought it was a really, really fun movie. So I'm giving it 10 out of 10 Eric Killmonger Sherpa Jackets. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for this long belated episode of Screensaver. Hopefully it won't be quite as long before our next one. For any of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on Black Panther, please get in touch. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. Thanks for having me, Screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Bye, guys. Have you. Bye. Welcome, for the first time ever, boyfriend of the pod and straight white male, Jack. <laughs> Hi, Jack. No pressure. Hi. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, you've officially gentrified. <laughs> All right. By now, I think... <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Good to have you. By now, I think it's safe to assume. <laughs> you started it. You I did. Started it.